Good afternoon, and welcome to the Coach's Corner presented today by Pro 10 International. What a great day today here in Arizona. <clears throat> today is Monday, February 10th. I'm your host, Alex Ramirez. I want to remind everybody you can reach us on the phone at area code 347-637-1197. You can also contact us on Twitter at uh, Pro 10 Radio and on Facebook at Pro 10 Radio. We take your questions any way you want to get them to us. Uh, I want to remind you also, ProTenRadio.com has all of the podcasts and information you need to know about all the upcoming shows. Today, we have a very special show. We're talking about uh, to the coaches here on the Coaches Corner about uh, nutrition and fitness. And, and, you know, as coaches, we try and do the best we can for our players, but we don't know it all. So it's always good to have uh, help outside of that. These days in sport and fitness, and sports fitness is a, it's a top priority. It's the top of the list. And wrapped up with that comes uh, injury prevention. We definitely want our players to be healthy and be able to compete when it comes time for the tournament. Uh, you know, there is such a thing as overtraining to the point that the player can't compete anymore. And then in that mix, we have the nutrition. You know, as coaches, we see our players grab the Gatorade all of a sudden and grab a, a bar out of their back and we're thinking, you know, is that the right thing? Should they be doing this? Should they not be doing that? And a lot of us coaches... We've had enough training that we know the basics, maybe a little bit more, but we're not nutritionists and we're not uh, fitness trainers, so we're not the experts. And as a tennis coach myself, I look for um, people that can really help me with that when I get stuck. Uh, sometimes the athletes will listen better to a nutritionist and more to a, a fitness trainer than the coach that says, this and you're the tennis coach, uh, what do you know about fitness? So it's always good to have uh, an expert like that on your team that you can go to and, and get help with and, and really round up the team that, uh, that the player needs to, to make it to their goal. And this is pretty much at any level of play, you know, whether it's a high-performance junior all the way to a pro, they all need their structure in their, in their career to, to reach their goals. So my guest today is going to hopefully clear up a lot of questions for you, and, and I'm going to touch on a lot of questions that, that people have asked. We've received on Facebook and Twitter so I've got them all ready. And today we have uh, Tim McClellan on the show, and Tim has, has coached at Arizona State University. He coached for 13 years. He's worked with um, the USA Olympic wrestling team, uh, the world champion USA powerlifting team, and the Boston Ruins. He also coached more than 200 NFL players, 12 Olympic gold medalists, more than a dozen, a dozen NCAA individual champions, nine NCAA team champions, and more than 200 NCAA All-Americans and national champions of 17 different sports. Uh, he has been honored by the National Strength and Conditioning Association in 1990 as a recipient of the President's Award. And then we're also going to talk a little bit on this book, this book, Inner Strength, Inner Peace, where he tells us stories about him working with uh, Gary Hall, Pat Tillman, Donovan McNabb. So uh, without further ado, uh, Tim, welcome to the show. Thanks for being on today. Thanks so much for having me, Alex. It's a real pleasure, and uh, I'm looking forward to hopefully providing uh, for people out there that are listening. Absolutely, and I think, uh, you know, great to have you on because, like I said in the intro, you know, a lot of coaches need this kind of assistance, and sometimes they don't know where to go. So hopefully we can, we can lay it out so they can look back and listen to the podcast and get some good advice from you. So we're going to break up this, this uh, show into three different segments. Uh, we're going to pick your brain on diet and nutrition first in the first segment. We'll take a break. We'll come back and talk a little bit of fitness and uh, how not to overtrain. 
and then I really want to dive into your career, Tim, and everything you've done in your book, and, and you've had a lot of such amazing experiences with great athletes, so I want to kind of go into that a little bit and let the listeners know more about Tim McClellan as, as a person. So um, on nutrition, let's get things kicked off. A lot of the players that I coach, they, they have an idea, right, of what to eat that's quote-unquote healthy. Uh, so go to McDonald's and get a salad and then have a little fry on the side. So can you tell us, Tim, um, if you're training a player, preparing for a tournament coming up in three or four weeks, uh, what should a normal day look like during the day? You know, that's that's an awesome question, Alex. Um, the, the way we should be eating as human beings is we should be ingesting smaller meals. We should be eating six to seven times a day, five to seven times a day, depending on where your body weight's at. Nice proportion sizes, eating natural foods, things that were placed on earth for us um, to eat. And it's really hard to do in today's society, to eat organic foods, to eat foods that are filled with hormones and nitrates for preservatives. Uh, it's really a challenge. It's harder economically. Um, and, you know, you, you just think about the movie Food, Inc. If you haven't seen the Food, Inc., you have to watch that at some point in your life. And uh, Simply Raw and Food Matters and some of these DVDs you can find online you know, a family can go buy five double sandwiches at the burger place, you know, for $5 or $10, and or they can go buy, you know, a big head of broccoli for $3. So it's, it's really hard to get what they need um, in today's society, I, let alone adding the metabolic demands of tennis. Are you kidding me? As hard as that sport is, with right. the continual acceleration, deceleration, change of direction, you're placing some really heavy demands on the human body because you're asking them to be so thoroughly explosive for such a long period of time. And nutrition, everything you do on a tennis court is depending on dependent upon good nutrition. Right. And I think a lot has to do with, with as far as my experience with tennis players, energy levels. You know, they've eaten the wrong thing before practice or even between practices. We have a morning practice. They had a good breakfast. They get to the morning practice. They go and have lunch. And maybe they'll go do fitness before they come to practice again in the afternoon if we're doing two days. Or they just go to straight to fitness to finish their day, depending on the day. Uh, I get reports of, yeah, I was just really, really tired. And so I'm assuming a lot of that's to do with what they ate either at breakfast or at lunch that's really making them crash. Um, can you talk to you a little bit about what kind of foods they should avoid maybe to to not have that crash at certain times of the day? Well, I, I can make this really simple. I've really been blessed um, to have had the opportunity to speak um, all over the country on nutrition and sound nutrition for athletes. And I, I boil it down to one really definable and simple method. If God the Father made it and it's intended as a food source, good food, have at it. If man made it, you better question it. Um, for example, <laughs> let's take the, the chicken breast. You know, a, a chicken, there's one ingredient, chicken. 
right? Let's take some of these bars that are commercially made. And don't get me wrong, I'm not anti-bar. Um, something is better than nothing is a rule of mine. And if you go three hours without having carbohydrates and protein, you need to put something in, and a bar will fulfill that requirement. I've read a bar that has 56 ingredients in it. Wow. A breast of chicken has pear has one. You know, a banana has one. It, it, I just, it just seems so commonsensical. We want to get back to the foods that, that God made. So those would be the, certainly the best choices that anybody could do um, on, a, on a long basis because not only is it valuable prior to practice because you want the energy, and not only is it valuable between practices, but recuperating from the heavy stress of two on-court practices a day and, and maybe one in fitness, it, it's a heavy burden. you got to recover yeah. from it. So it's really eat well after yeah. practice as well. Uh, is there a – I mean, with that, with, that, with that said, is there one bar that you think is, if you have to have one, in an emergency situation or urgent, you've got to have something in your stomach. Is there one that you would recommend that people should look at? And I'm not trying to plug other companies here, but there's got to be something out there that's actually, like I've heard Cliff Bars are actually uh, more uh, nutritional than any other bar. Does that uh, hold true? It's natural. They're in the most natural form. Which, what you have to do is become a good label reader. And what right. the companies have to do on the back of their products is list, in order from the most prevalent ingredient all the way down to the least prevalent ingredient. So when you turn that bar over and you see uh, high fructose corn syrup or maltodextrin or evaporated cane syrup as the number one ingredient, that is the most prevalent ingredient in that bar. Um, you know, and, and there's ways to get around it. One of the bar manufacturers, fascinating uh, to fool us, the front of the bar talks about these high-source energy, patented energy blends and how they'll increase endurance. And in the back side of it is a very shiny gold wrapper with white lettering with embossed imprint in it that you can't even read. And I pulled out the magnifying glass and went through a bunch of them in a store. And when I could finally get through and read, they had their own energy blend listed as the number one ingredient. And it was four types of sugar. And quite wow. frankly, we need need energy, but we don't need sugar in that form in those doses. And in today's society, we have more gyms, we have more doctors, we have more health care, we have more fat-free foods, we have more vitamins than any civilization in the history of this world. We also have more cancer and obesity. Right. <clears throat> and I just uh, read somewhere that... Uh, Sugar actually feeds cancer. If you want to uh, say, you know, down the ability of getting cancer, you just got to cut out the sugar from your diet, and and you've you've, uh, you've bettered your, your your diet without having all that sugar in your diet. Yes, ab absolutely. And and there are carbohydrates um, that we need. You know, our diet should consist of probably at least fifty percent carbohydrate, maybe as high as sixty percent. Um, because we need energy. And, you, you know, if you'll take it back 2,000 years in biblical times, you know, again, making it simple, what would Jesus eat? 
You know, they ate unleavened bread. It was from organic products. They had fish and lean meats uh, that weren't pumped up to five to six times the size so that man could generate five to six times the income. Those are the things, that's the way we should probably be. That being said, if you, if you go, you know, if you've got a six-hour six spurt um, and you've got to practice in there and you don't have access to food, you know, I, I don't think it would be bad to throw a bar in here and there. Um, but right. read the labels carefully to get the right bars. Most of them are really candy bars uh, dressed up as something healthy for us. Energy bars. Yeah, I've had some of those, and I actually like them because they taste so much like candy bars. Uh, <laughs> but, um, but I'm not laughing anymore, so I get away with, you know, do as I say and not as I do to the players. But um, So with that said, you said 60 to 70% uh, or 50 to 60% carbs. How much protein should they be consuming throughout the day? You know, uh, that's a tough question. Because research studies have shown beyond any shadow of a doubt that they should have one gram of protein per kilogram of body weight. And other research studies have shown they should have one gram of protein per pound of body weight. Well, that's twice as much. So say, for instance, right. you have a female or a tour female player, maybe a junior female player that weighs 132 pounds. So... One study is showing beyond any shadow of a doubt that she has to have 132 pounds of protein, or 132 grams of protein a day. The other study's showing she needs 60. Now the difference between 60 and 130 is is 60, but it's double the percentage. Right. Picture a court twice as long as you're having to hit put the ball in that court. That's twice as long. I mean, double is is staggering. So we don't a lot. we don't really don't really know for certain. Um, I would say what I recommend is, is somewhere around 0.8 grams uh, per kilogram. So you know, somewhere for that for that size female player, somewhere around 80, 90, 100. Um, you're probably better off with a little bit too much than too little, but you don't want to overdo it and, and tax the digestive system. Very good. Now, <clears throat> what fills the rest of it? So we have the carbs, we have the protein. Uh, what's the rest? What are we filling the rest of it with in our diet? We've absolutely got to have fat. Fat is okay. critical for our. It is involved in every bodily task that you do, from breathing uh, right on through your exercise and energy. Fat also helps uh, give you a feeling of fullness. You know, back in the 70s and 80s, uh, we, we started getting into this no-fat diet, and it didn't right. work. It did not work. And what we're starting to find out right now is you want to have um, a diet that's at least 20% fat. Some, some of the experts will say 30%. Um, so it's somewhere in that range um, because everything you do involves it. Now, I've had some players that, that um, either need to lose weight, and not they're not obese, but they need to lose maybe 10, 15, up to 20 pounds uh, that they've gained maybe from injury or they've been sitting around. Um, and sometimes they need to gain weight. 
you think following just a steady diet of eating healthy will take care of that on its own, or do you have to do extra things to either lose the weight or gain the weight to be able to accomplish those goals? Well, caloric expenditure, you, you've got three options. You can either increase the amount of exercise that you're doing or the caloric expenditure. You can decrease uh, the amount of ingestion of calories, or you can do a combination of both, um, which the combination of both obviously would be a much more effective and prudent approach. Um, to gain weight, you just, you just have to take in more calories than you burn off. And, you know, if you're talking about a developmental player, it's somebody that's on the court four hours a day and or fitness with the routine, uh, you know, you're talking about a real high caloric expenditure depending upon how hard you're running them around. So uh, those people are going to have to actively intervene. And it, eating appropriate foods, good foods, foods that will fuel super high athletic performance and trying to gain weight is a really tough combination because those foods um, that, that God has provided for us to eat that we're supposed to be eating traditionally aren't real high in calories. You know, that's where you have to in the nuts in the play. And, and with those come the body, the uh, fat calories that we need um, to help fuel the body. Very, very good. <clears throat> now, let's talk a little bit about drinks. A lot of players like to get the Gatorade out during their... I always uh, preach that water replaces water better than anything that you can get. But some players think they really need the Gatorade. Can you talk a little bit about what they should be drinking and when Gatorade is appropriate to be able to, to bring on either to competition or to training? Well, you know, I saw Dr. Oz that we should be taking in somewhere between four and six tablespoons of sugar daily, but we're taking in 27 currently. Um, so we're doing pretty close to a week's worth of sugar daily, and that's, that's our habits. Um, if you've seen the movie Supersize Me, they talked about the sugar um, that comes on salads at times to make people addicted to it. We're, we're addicted to sugar, and, and Gatorade um, has has many virtues to it. Uh, I've used it in my training. I still compete as a martial artist, and which is very similar, similar athletically um, to tennis in terms of footwork and movement and acceleration and deceleration, and you're, you're really playing in a short little box, uh, and so much of it's reactive. Um, so I've found many benefits of it. Um, however, we, the, just the trend today is everybody wants to have immense hydration breaks and they always want to drink Gatorade. So now you're putting in hundreds and hundreds of calories daily and it can turn into too much sugar. And I think that's right. why Gatorade was to come up with their, you know, diversify their line to come up with a, with a lower toxicity of sugar in their products. Um, if somebody can use primarily water, hydration, you want water unless you're in a really hot, humid environment and out on that court for a, a long, long time each day. You should be able to get away with hydrating appropriately the night before, the morning of, and the day of with, with water. With water, absolutely. Um, <clears throat> one of the, this is the last question. We're kind of up against the clock here, but uh, I want to talk a little bit about cramping. I've had some players that really experience uh cramping during competition or, or even sometimes training here in Arizona with, with the heat. 
can you tell us a little bit about how what they can do with their diet or even during training with their drinking to help avoid the possibility of cramping? Yeah, you know, as cramping is not a cause of that practice, but rather than the nutrition the night before, the day before, the night before. So um, we want to make sure, one of the simple things to do is go to the doctor and get a blood test, find out where your magnesium, calcium, potassium levels are, and find out if you're deficient in that because the expenditure on court is so great uh, to be able to play elite level tennis, and now you're doing it in an environment that's 100 degrees. Um, right. So you want to know if you have any deficiencies, and you know, the multivitamin every night before you go to bed, lots of fluid before you go to bed, lots of fluid in the morning, um, and drink, and, you know, make sure you're eating diversified diet with lots of fruits and vegetables, so you can secure the uh, nutrients that you need, you know, in, in the amounts you need to pull off that intense exercise. Very good. I remember uh, being on on, uh, on tour with with Shika Uberoy, and by the way. Uh, she emailed me knowing that you were going to be on the show, and she says hello and thank you for everything you did for her and lots of love. She's over in Mumbai today speaking at a UN conference, but she wanted me to tell you hello and lots of love. So I love that, she Carol. She's yeah. a blessing. Life. Yeah, she's doing great. And, and you know, we used to, uh, she would take uh, pickle juice sometimes because she would cramp so bad, and she had a really healthy diet, as you know but she was still cramped. And um, does that work for everybody, pickle juice? There, you know, there are some uh, of the electrolytes in it, a lot of different ways you can do it. Um, you know, there are things as simple as, as take up pills to get more fruits and vegetables. Um, you know, and think where the, where the pickle came from. It came from the cucumber, and who made the cucumber? And that, that's an approved yeah. food. <laughs> <laughs> I like that rule. I really like that. I'm going to start using that more often for sure. So we're coming up against the clock here. Uh, we'll be back in a few minutes to talk a little fitness uh, with Tim. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Awaken the tennis player you dream of being. Tennis 365 presents the official Tennis 365 app for educational purpose, tennis entertainment, news, and tournaments. Based on the knowledge of international tennis coaches in USA and Europe. Whether you just picked up a racket or are getting ready to make a move to the pros, Tennis365 has a tip for you. Tennis365 provides one new educational tip every day for a year. Save your top ten and recall them before a match or use them to help during training. Keep track of your favorite players year-round with instant access to every tournament throughout the year. Download your app today. New York, the toughest of the majors and impossible to predict the champion. Rafael Nadal's got to be the favorite with his Babolat Aero Pro Drive GT and Nike Air Cord Ballistic 2.3s. Then there's Roger Federer with his Wilson BLX 6-1 Tour and Nike Lunar Vapor Tours. Don't count out Andy Murray. He's on a hot streak right now with his head UTEC Radical Pro and Adidas Barricade 6. Well, I don't know who's going to win the Open this year, but I do know I can get all the gear the pros wear at Tennis Warehouse, the ultimate equipment website. Paula Sela is a real Geico customer, not an actor. So to help tell her story, we hired that announcer guy from the movies. When the storm hit, both our cars were totally underwater. In a world where both of our cars were totally underwater. We thought it would take forever to get some help. But a new wind was about to blow. With Geico, we had our check in two days. Payback. This time, it's for real. Geico. Real service, real savings. To celebrate the not-normal Mini Cooper, we hired an expert to tell you about Mini telepathically. Greetings. 
Relax and listen to my mind. The Mini Cooper Heart Dot comes with 37 MPG and co-cart handling. Wait, that's not telepathy. Listen again. The bigger four-door Mini Countryman has seating for five. Okay, you're just whispering. You're still paying me for this. Come see the 37 MPG Mini Cooper Heart Top and the bigger Mini Countryman today. Visit MiniUSA.com slash info for MPG details. The Donay racket is solid inside. It's not a hollowed-out racket at all. So when, when the ball hits the racket, it doesn't wobble. It holds firm in your hand. But because of the thin beam, it really moves through the air effortlessly, and it's been no adjustment at all. It's a seamless transition for me. Looking recently for a racket with a little bigger sweet spot, a little bit more power, but I didn't want to give up the control that I need. That's what the Donay has done for me. So if you want to try out a Donay racket, go exclusively online to TennisWarehouse.com. Northern Tool and Equipment. My girlfriend has given me a pet name. I'm afraid to ask. Snuggle Muffin. No, it isn't. And she uses it in public. Okay, so give your girlfriend a pet name she'll hate, like uh, Thunder Chunky. I couldn't do that. I see. Too harsh for Snuggle Muffin. Okay. Drown her out with a 200-mile-per-hour cordless leaf blower. Got it. Here she comes. Hey, Snuggle Muffin. What are you doing, Snuggle... Snuggle... out of here. Wait, come back, Thunder Chunky. There's no problem a little horsepower can't solve. Northern Tool and Equipment. Welcome back. A little Van Halen in there for you guys. Love that intro. <clears throat> Welcome back here at the, in the Coach's Corner today, brought to you by Protein International. With us today, we have Tim McClellan talking fitness, nutrition, and his book. I want to remind everybody, you can call in at 347-637-1197. Again, 347-637-1197. You can reach us at ProTenRadio.com and on Twitter. Uh, at Protein Radio and Facebook Protein Radio. I think that's a pretty common theme there, so shouldn't be tough to remember. Uh, so now we're back with uh, Tim McClellan. Now we're going to jump into um, a little fitness, Tim. Uh, how do you like that, that intro music? Pretty good, huh? Loved it. I'm all pumped up now. <laughs> See, right, right in the right time for, for the fitness talk. So as far as fitness goes, um, you've uh, worked with a lot of athletes. And one of the things you and I talk about a lot when I bring you a tennis player is, is training them sports-specific. So when I bring you a, a player right off the bat, you haven't you have never seen them. We went through this with a player from, from um, Slovenia recently. What are the first things you look at, just from an athletic point of view, that you want to see in a tennis player that they can do in the gym? Well, I'm, I'm a pretty simple guy, so I like to keep things simple. Uh, to me, once that ball on the first serve the next thing that has to happen even on that serve even though that, that player is initiating play is a reaction athletes have to react 
tennis players have to react. What, simply put, a tennis player has to react, they have to run, and they have to rotate. If they can do those three things well, simply put, then they should possess the athleticism to pull off the game. And that's right. the tough part because you have to have that baseline level of athleticism. And if we can do that, then it comes down to experts like yourself and hours on the court getting them to do the right things, you know, in terms of technical play and tactical play. Right. Right. So there, um, there's different theories out there with, with coaches. Uh, most tennis coaches really strongly believe that players should be on the court hitting three, four, five, ten thousand balls a day to be a good tennis player, and then a little bit of work in the gym just to kind of get, gain some strength. Um, and some coaches are of the belief that, hey, we got to spend you know, a lot of time in the gym, you got to be stronger, faster, quicker, and spend a lot of time in the gym, and then minimize you know, how much, well, not minimize it, but spend less time on the court hitting balls because they want their athlete to be uh, truly just fit, you know. Um, can you talk a little bit about the balance of how much a, per, a player should be spending in the gym opposed to on the court, and most importantly, uh, either active rest or rest in general? Well, rest is obviously a very vital part of the equation. Um, and again, I'm, I'm going to go back and go simple on you here, where you have three things to think about with tennis performance. There is a very significant technical component, and that's where experts like you come into play and where athletes need to be on the court practicing appropriate biomechanics to, to optimize uh, each shot. Think Secondly, in terms of tactical, and again, that's where a coach comes into play as to, you know, what kind of patterns you're going to be hitting and how you're going to disrupt their pattern and create your own. And think thirdly, in terms of physiological, that's what you come to the fight with. One of the trends now, and it's across the board, it's not in tennis only, but across the board in all sports, is that we are spending so much time on technical and tactical, and it's primarily technical training that we are not allotting enough time to the physiological. And simply put, if you take a mule and you train it all you want to run like a thoroughbred, it might have those same biomechanics, but it's not going to perform like a thoroughbred. So you need to have something that you take into the fight. You don't want to take a knife into a gunfight. You need to have something in the fight. And that's where you know, the off-court workouts would be so vital if you're in a situation where they're providing that. Now, in, in, in our area, off-court, there has historically been such a lack of pertinent information and appropriate information um, to the point now where, you know, the trend is athletes are going through these workouts that are just making them puke all the time and calling that good. And that's not the objective. The objective is optimal performance on the tennis court. Right. Now, I don't want to – I hate big names. We're not going to drop names today, especially from tennis point of view. But, but I know you worked with a, with a current top, uh, top ten player in the world, woman, back before she was top ten. She was kind of, you know, going through the, the stages of training. And uh, you'd get her, and a lot of the stuff you were trying to have her do in the gym – she had already done on the court, and she was pretty much spent. So there was nothing left for you to do. Um, can you give tennis coaches a little bit of, of help as far as how much they should be doing on the court 
and when they're actually crossing over to you're doing the, the your job, the coach's job, the fitness coach's job, that by the time the player gets there, there's nothing to do that you can't really push them because now they've, they've, they've already you know, spent. So can you give us some examples of that? Yeah, well, the one thing that defines all of us is we're trying to elicit an optimal performance result. That's the goal of the player. That's the goal of the coach. That's the goal of the strength and conditioning professional. So it would make sense that all three entities are on the same page, moving in the same direction, um, helping each other to the best of the ability. And, you know, I've experienced this having coached, you know, over 11,000 athletes over, over 30 years that at times coaches – get bored on the court and, or they just want to do it because it's hard or they want to make their player tough. So they'll take them through all their change of direction sprinting afterwards and all their med ball throws afterwards. And they come into the gym and it's like, okay, I've got some change of direction stuff. I did it on court. I've got some med ball throws for you. I did that on court. And it's a, it's a very frustrating thing. So above all, I'm, I'm hoping if you are a tennis coach, tennis player, Let's get everybody on board doing this, you know, um, harmoniously um, so that the left hand knows what the right hand's doing and they're working together. Right. Uh, as far as doing things right. on court, how much time should you be on court? To me, a, the first thing a coach has to be is a great observer, not somebody that knows the most, not somebody that can bark the loudest or bark the most or make people puke. Those things aren't important. They have to be a great observer. Um, think about the training of a world-class sprinter or a world-class high jumper or a pole vaulter, it's not merely about do it again, do it again, do it harder, do it more. No, let's do twice as much. Hey, we increased our volume today more than, more than anybody else. Uh, that style of coaching of let's go out in the court for eight hours, um, yeah, it's real easy to measure in the blood how the testosterone levels drop, the cortisol levels, which is a, a toxic hormone in you increase significantly how your you know, potassium and magnesium are shot. You're getting cramping. Um, you're lethargic. Resting heart rate goes up. That's not at all a goal for us. So do we want to be on court, you know, mega hours? No. We want to be on court and make it really, really productive. Absolutely. Yes. And, you know, as, as coaches, we, <clears throat> we dabble on court especially when we do clinics, right, group sessions with players, and we'll do some fitness. And I try and avoid anything that could cause injury, you know. Uh, to me, what I've learned is uh, the excessive use of, you know, for tennis players. Uh, I've seen injuries to their shoulder when maybe the tennis player isn't doing it right, but you have them doing in the course of a practice because they missed a the ball or whatever it is. You know, at 20 pushups at a time, they've done two, 300 push-ups um, or just to push them hard to make them work hard. Uh, can you talk a little bit about what exercises we should avoid uh, as tennis players that we really shouldn't do too much of because it may cause injury if you're not if you that part of your body isn't strengthened? First, first and foremost, an athlete has to be healthy. If an athlete is not healthy, they're reduced to the role of spectator, and that's not their desire. Their desire right. is to be out there and you know and conquering. So. We have an obligation, just as they have an obligation to work hard for us, we have an obligation to provide them with things that are going to help optimize performance the most effective and safe route possible. Um, push-ups, I, quite frankly, I wouldn't have a tennis player do push-ups at all. Uh, do okay. this because it's hard. 
you know what? It's it's also tongue on that court in Phoenix when it's 110 out and drag it all the way around the court. Right. Um, that does <laughs> the success. You know, it's it's not about what's hard. Um, you know, it's hard to hike the Grand Canyon. That's not going to help your tennis game either. So, right. I I don't see that ever as a valid reason. You know, for exercise prescription. Uh, anything that's hard on the rotator cuff, like uh, overhead military presses, presses behind the neck, um, lat pull-downs behind the neck, let's put the shoulder in a position where it's externally rotated and horizontally abducted, and, that, and that's a little bit hard um, on the shoulder. So I wouldn't be taking risk with that. I, I wouldn't be taking risk with um, some of the Olympic stuff, like clean and jerk and snatch. Um, you know, I remember I had an opportunity to mentor one of the USTA strength coaches who was in Key Biscayne at the time, and he kept he kept asking me about the Olympic lifts, the Olympic lifts, because he was reading lots of material about the Olympic lifts. And I said, "Well, I'll tell you what. When they play the Ericsson um, Open down there, what I want you to do is sit in that room for two weeks, and every time somebody comes in, write down what they do." And he actually did it two weeks. And I said, "How many Olympic lifts did you see?" And he turned white as a ghost. He goes, you're right. Um, so are they effective? Yes. Can they induce changes in, in force production? Yes. Uh, do you have to do that to be successful? No. Are there safe, uh, easier routes, which are easier to monitor um, and probably put the athlete in a higher position for success? Yes. Uh, dumbbell squat jumps step-up jumps, walking lunge jumps. So I would tend to make the off-court program as safe as possible. Absolutely. Well, we have a, a caller on the line. So let's see if uh, we can get him on here. And we have, we have a question for you. Here we go. Hello, you're on the air. Uh, hi, thanks. Uh, this is Michael. Um, I had been reading some uh, information lately on recent studies uh, on anaerobic versus aerobic type of training. And it seems to be that a lot of tennis coaches want to have uh, their, their tennis players running distance uh, to train for tennis. And I was wondering if uh, anaerobic training would be more appropriate given the stop and start nature of uh, the game of tennis. Oh, what a nice can of worm you just opened up. That's a great <laughs> question. Uh, and there's two camps. And here's where people are making mistakes. Some people are in the aerobic camp. Some people are in the anaerobic camp. And they're both wrong. And I, I can tell you why. Go back to the 1990 French Open when Sergei Bruguera played Jim Courier. It was like a five-hour and eight-minute five-set match on the clay. Do you know how long the ball was in play? It was around I'm going to guess under ten minutes. It was around eight minutes. You are correct. You uh Alex, give him a prize at the end of the day, if you would, please. <laughs> um, so do you need to run eight miles at a pop in order to have endurance for eight minutes? No. And that's where people shoot down the aerobic theory. So we don't need a ton of aerobic conditioning. A ton of aerobic conditioning will lower testosterone levels and will uh, deter in strength gains. And make no mistake, anything from zero to 60 meters, and that's all tennis is, is directly dependent upon explosive leg strength. Now, that being said, you have people in the camp for, for only anaerobic exercise, and where they err 
is there's some physiological alterations that can occur in the body as a result of aerobic training, and that's increased capillarization. So with increased capillaries, you can increase your blood flow to the working muscles, which will give you more energy. So there is a need to do some aerobic work. Um, you can do that primarily as a recovery agent. Um, you know, you get done with a hard practice. If you were to get on a spin bike for 30 minutes and pedal as an e- at an easy tempo at a heart rate somewhere around 60, 65% of your max, um, it could have some very positive benefits for the human body, um, but not a direct performance enhancement change. Does that, does that help, Michael? Uh, yes, actually, that's interesting. I, I had not uh, uh, heard um, anyone really expand on those two theories, so that that was great. Thank you. Thank you. Awesome. We're up against the clock, so um, we're going to take a, a small commercial break. Everybody hold on one second. We'll be right back. For service you can count on, shop TennisExpress.com. Demo rackets delivered to your door, product and video reviews, Tennis Vacation Giveaways, plus discounts on gear for your team, only at TennisExpress.com. A friend of mine said he wanted to talk to me about my Volvo. I told him, thank you, that's between me and my gynecologist. He said, no, no, your car, your Volvo 850 Turbo Sports Wagon. I said, oh, that. No, you can't drive it. Oh, I love my Volvo. Sure, it's safe, but gee, just because driving on the freeways of Southern California is the equivalent of playing bumper cars at the speed of light, what kind of reason is that? Volvos are still ultra-luxury imports, sleek and gorgeous and loaded to hear, safe and sexy, and pardon me, I have to go hug my car now. Want safe and sexy? Viva la Volvo. Test drive a Volvo 850 at your Southern California Volvo dealer. Since when is safe sexy, another friend asked. Hey, I said, what decade are you living in? Tennis Warehouse offers the lowest guaranteed prices, so you'll be tripping over deal after deal. With a diverse selection of apparel, you can surprise your opponents with stylish looks from brands like LBH, Tail, Prince, and K-Swiss. The world's largest selection of rackets and strings allows you to find the perfect balance for your game. At Tennis Warehouse, you can demo up to four rackets at a time, allowing you to juggle models to find the perfect choice. Tennis Warehouse, we are serious about tennis. Chicken, not included. Little Caesars, home of the $5 hot and ready pepperoni pizza, now has a deep, deep dish pizza with eight crispy caramelized corner slices and even more cheese and pepperoni. So head on down and grab a large for just eight bucks and tell them Alan Varner sent you. They won't know who that is, but as a voice actor, I'm always trying to get my name out there. Check me out at alandoesvoices.com. That's A-L-A-N doesvoices.com. But first, get the new deep, deep dish pizza. It's hot and ready every day from 4 to 8 p.m. for just 8 bucks, only at Little Caesars. Pizza, pizza. And participating locations plus tax.
All right, welcome back. Listening to the Pro 10 Radio Network on the Coach's Corner, brought to you today by Pro 10 International. On the show today, we have Tim McClellan, fitness guru, nutritional guru, and we talked a little bit about nutrition, we talked some fitness, and now I, I want to talk about your book. Tim, are you still with us here? Absolutely. All right, so... You know the book is is uh, is awesome. I know there's you've got two volumes to it: inner peace, inner strength, or inner strength, inner peace, right? Or strength, inner peace. Yes, sir. Um, and uh, before we talk about the book a little bit, uh, by any chance the, the call that we had before did that voice sound familiar at all? <laughs> no, I'm getting so old I don't recognize voices anymore. <laughs> Well, I'm going to bring Michael back on the line because he's actually in one of your books. And so, Michael, are you there? I am. <laughs> I can't believe after all these years, Tim, you can't recognize my voice on the phone. It's been it's been too many years. I'm too old now. I can't even I can't even remember <laughs> what I ate for breakfast. <laughs> well, this is, I'll give you a hint. Many... I'm in I'm in book two. In book two. That's a good hint. And you were you know, you not in book one, which is a little bit sour about. <laughs> well, you know what? It was all designed originally as one book, but uh, it, ended, it ended up as two because it, it was too thick to publish. Ah, there you go. There's an out. <laughs> so he's, he's the only – I don't know how many other racquetball players you trained, but um, can you name all the racquetball players that you trained? Racquetball? That's not a sport. I don't train racquetball players. <laughs> well, I always wanted to play uh, at the U.S. Open uh, in New York as a tennis player, but I just wasn't tall enough, so I had to pick a sport that would accommodate that. Fantastic. <laughs> so, so, how are you doing, Tim? Good. How are you doing, sir? Fabulous. Good, so good, for good. The, for the listeners... This is uh, this is Darren Shank. He's, he's uh, uh, involved with Protein International quite a bit, and played on a professional racquetball tour, and trained with Tim over at the Village uh, back 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 in the day when I want to age ourselves. But it's been a while since we've all been in the same building. So plus twenty years. That was that was a, a good question he had there, huh, Tim? In the last segment. Absolutely. Yes. Um, so, Darren, uh, thanks for, for coming on the show and taking time out of your day to, to come on and, and talk with, with Tim and I today. Um, you bet. Uh, you know, Tim, Tim's really been a, a big influence in a lot of athletes' lives, uh, especially a lot of athletes that I've brought to him. Shiko Yibori was one that just can't say enough good things about him and, and the way he's... So if you can tell us a little bit about your experience working with him and, and as long as you've known him. Uh, other than breaking the only bone that I've ever broken wrestling with Tim, uh, doing martial arts, uh, I had nothing but positive experiences with him as a, uh, as a trainer and as a friend. Um, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I would not have achieved the things that I did without Tim's help without a doubt. Um, and it goes beyond just the, the physical training, um, the atmosphere that Tim created um, of professional athletes and collegiate athletes and, and amateurs uh, was a phenomenal opportunity for, for me to train in, uh, especially being in a small individual sport like racquetball was. Um, so that was a huge help to me 
to see how other professionals conducted themselves and and learn from some of the guys what not to do and from some of the guys who are really doing what they were supposed to do to be able to follow their lead. Um, and on a personal level, Tim was it was a great friend through that whole process. I uh, didn't have the luxury of playing um, a, a high a high income, high notoriety type sport. And uh, you know, rac- my racquetball aspirations were really about my own personal goals. And uh, but that that had no bearing on Tim's dedication or or input for me. Um, and and that you know meant a lot in addition to all the other things that he helped with. But at the end of the day, it boils down to the amount of dedicated quality work that you can put in, and that has to be done by the athlete. And in an era where we're, we're searching for magical bars and uh, you know magical fitness programs, we can't neglect sweat. And that's one of the things that Baron was so good at is Baron did the martial arts to work on his focus. He did sports vision therapy to work on his eyesight. He did strength and conditioning to work on his off-court physiology. Um, you know, he spent hour after hour after hour on court. That's where success comes in. When you get out of your comfort zone over and over and over again, then you eat right and supplement right and come back and do it again. Absolutely, absolutely. Now, Darren, you you uh, told me you had a, a a story about some sled or what was that story again? <laughs> yeah, I, I I'm like I said, I was a little bit um, disappointed that I didn't end up in book one. Um, and then when the the when Tim wrote his section about me, um, you know, I, I, what I thought was the obvious choice for my story um, was that I was. Uh, on the on the football field at Phoenix Swim Club with Tim and a, and a bunch of NFL players, and uh, not wearing cleats on a hot summer day at nine o'clock in the morning, there was I think there was a dozen of us that started out, and um, we all put on we took turns wearing a harness and about a ten foot rope attached to a sled that had three forty five pound weights on it. Well. At the time, I weighed 135 pounds, which is what we were dragging behind us on the sled. And the ground was rock hard because it was summertime, and I didn't have cleats. I'm in running shoes, and I'm, I'm with guys who are twice my size. And we start out, we, we, we split six and six about 80 yards apart, and one guy puts on the, the harness and runs down to the end of the field. And I'll, I'll fast forward to the end of the story. By, by the time we were done, there was four of us left standing, and I was one of the four, and I'm not making a million dollars a year like like some of these guys are. Um, I thought, sure, that was an obvious choice for the book, but you know, I guess it's Tim's book, so you know, I, I, he picked one that he picked the story that he thought was better for me. Actually, the obvious choice for the book was the nickname you were given by one of the football players, uh, Darren, at the time, <laughs> decided to go bald as a cue ball. So uh, he was given the nickname Agassiz, and we're not talking about the wigged-up Agassiz. We're talking about the bald Agassiz. And that football, <laughs> that football player two weeks ago was just inducted in the NFL Hall of Fame, Aeneas Williams. That's right. Yes. Well, he didn't, he didn't know – Aeneas certainly didn't know any racquetball players to, uh, to call me uh, after, so uh, that, was, that was the most obvious choice, I guess. And you, you played the part pretty good. You looked pretty good, so – 
That was good. Well, Darren, thanks so much for, for being on the show, uh, for taking time out of your day to come, to come on board and for asking such an amazing question. So, uh, Yeah, you? thank you. I, I certainly appreciate the opportunity, and, and uh, I love Tim to death. He's been a huge part of my life and getting me to accomplish the goals that I set out to do, and, and uh, I, uh, I wish I spent more time with him. I will have to make sure that I do that because we're not, we're not that far apart. That's certainly not a good reason for me not to – stop in and say hi once in a while. So, Tim, I will be better about that in the future. It sounds awesome. It's been an honor to have the ability to uh, to work with you and grow from you. Uh, very much the same. Thank you. I appreciate it. All right. Good day, Darren. Take care. Bye-bye. Thanks, Alex. All right. So there you go. I had a little surprise for you there, Tim. A little curveball at you. Big curveball at you. And what a wonderful worker he was. Uh, it's, it's just you know, I've been blessed to be able to grow from having so many great people in my life. Absolutely, yes. Amen to that. Uh, we have one more caller here, and then we'll go back to talk about your book. Let's see if uh, he's got a question. Uh, hello, you're on the air. How are you doing? Good, thank you. Appreciate uh, appreciate you uh, you plugging me in. And uh, Tim, I just had one quick question. I, I've actually known Alex for uh, quite a while. My name is uh, Sandy Littleman. I do some co-hosting with him on a couple of his uh his shows recently, and uh, in regards to uh, just basic uh, basic fitness, um, I'm curious, when you first meet an athlete, and regardless of that athlete, you know, age or sports, what is one of the first things that your, your eye kind of looks towards in deciding, you know, what their strengths are as an athlete, what their weaknesses are, and then maybe what, you know, what path you envision them having? Uh, I would have to answer that by saying mechanics of force production. When they're doing something ground-based, whether it's a short agility drill or the speed ladder, um, jumping over the little mini hurdles, running up a hill on a treadmill, um, to see if they're utilizing a lever system properly and if they're developed in the areas to do that. Uh, and the fact of the matter is some people, they lack the strength. Okay, interesting. Well, I appreciate that. That was just a, it was a real, real simple question. I'm just uh, curious because I know... I know different people have a tendency to kind of look at, you know, look at different things, and so I'm always kind of curious to get different experts' uh, view on what each independent person, you know, their eyes first kind of look towards. And obviously some of it's got to do with maybe uh, the variety of drills maybe you put somebody through as well. Yeah, well, you know what? I've never been asked that question before, which at this point. Oh, really? Oh, sweet. I got lucky today, huh? (laughs) Well, I got stuck because I, I think I've been asked them all about 100 times, and, and that's a new one. I'd have to also okay. say the ability, the ability to accelerate and decelerate. Okay. The point be producing sure. force as possible, and yet being able to, to reduce the force and then reapply it again in the other direction. That's an awesome yeah. question. Okay. Nice. Well, I appreciate that. Those are great answers, and uh, it was a pleasure having a minute of your time and uh, been listening into the show, so, you know, it's uh, great. So thanks a lot. I know we've never met. Maybe someday in the future. I know Alex speaks uh, exceedingly high of you. So, um, you know, again, thanks for the time and the insight. Thank you. Hopefully Alex can take us both, both to lunch and pay for it. Sounds <laughs> good. One of, one of, one of these days. <laughs> there you right, go. I'll let you, you guys get back to it. But thanks, guys. Take care. Sandy, goodbye. All right, yeah, he hosts, he co-hosts a couple of radio shows with me. He's uh, a tour coach and has a lot of insight on on, uh, on tennis players. Um, but anyway, Tim, back back to uh, to the book. Uh, what what inspired you to write this book? 
uh, you know, I've, I've been blessed and uh, so many times over. And just I think everybody in the world can teach us something. There isn't anybody in the world, whether they're living in, in poverty or they're living in a penthouse, there's something that they can teach us. And I've had so many amazing people in my life that have taught me so much, and I've got so much growth yet to do, but I've been so blessed to have the growth I've had from these people, and uh, I guess it's just kind of a tribute to them, and, and my hope was to have people in their lives recognize those that have helped them grow. Absolutely. Now, you said you had uh, book one and book two, so you said that the, there was so much information that you didn't want to make an encyclopedia-type book, so you cut it into two. Were there two separate releases? Yeah, there was, and they were, they were three or four years apart, I think. Okay. Okay. Um, can you share with us, obviously you worked with Donovan McNabb and, and a lot of NFL players, any particular story that really sticks out in your mind is something special that, uh, that really made what you do, you know, as, as a trainer, fitness trainer, a coach uh, that makes it worth what you do every single day while you get up in the morning and go out and work with these athletes? You know, I, I just think if we're cognizant of, of our blessings and if we're cognizant of the lessons that life can teach us instead of being so self-absorbed in our own egos, um, I, I, a great one I learned just this week that I was not in one of my books, but if you watch the skiathlon that just occurred in Sochi, uh, go on Google Images and look it up. The fall collapsed after hitting the finish line, laying in a pile, and the announcer called it carnage. And just seeing somewhere in this world, in different countries, were coaches that could get their athletes to buy into working that hard. Somewhere in the world were five athletes that were willing to buy into that volume of work and work that hard and give that much of themselves and yet most of the world is filled with athletes that aren't willing to do that or coaches that don't hold that as a standard. And, you know, that's just a lesson from watching the television two nights ago. So, you know, my hope is, is not to tell stories about how, how amazing Pat Tillman was because he gave up a $9 million contract to crawl around in Afghanistan on his belly in the dirt you know, while getting fired at for, for $20,000 a year but rather to point out that we all have these people in our lives that can, that can provide growth for us. That is, that is truly awesome and inspirational. And I've had a chance to, to, to read Volume 2, and, uh, and thank you for, for all those stories. And, and I read it because Darren was in that book, so he kind of made me read that part. But uh, um, it was great to, to see all the stories and, and everything that, that you've uh, worked with with these players and, and, and their stories. Uh, the book is Inner Strength, Inner Peace, and I think the website is strengthandpeace.com. Is that right? Yep, absolutely. It's also available on Amazon. Everybody goes to Amazon oh. these days. Yes, absolutely. Well, I, I recommend everybody to get this book and, and really read up on this stuff because it's, it's unlike any other book you're going to read, and it's very inspirational. And uh, to close up, Tim, tell us what you're, what you're doing these days. I know you're opening up a facility and, and um, physical therapy, and let us know what's going on in your life. Yeah, I actually um, retired. Um, life has been really good for me, and I had an opportunity um, to 
unwind a little bit after working 30 years obsessively, compulsively, and working too many hours and probably missing too much of life outside of work. And a good friend of mine, Mike Van Arsdale, was a World Cup champion of wrestling, um, just an amazing guy. Uh, had kept asking me to go into business with him. So we're setting up a little business at Foothills Physical Therapy on uh, Cooper Road and Baseline in, in the Gilbert area and getting to train some athletes kind of at my pace on my time uh, and help them grow and try to provide something back for people and provide something for their for their lives and their futures that was provided for me. Absolutely. Well, <clears throat> personally speaking, I'm glad to have you back uh, on the on, on the show, obviously, and back in the strength and conditioning because we missed you the time you were gone, and we're always praying for you and hopefully, you know, hoping the best for you. And glad to see you back back in the field and doing what you want to do. And like you said, now it's on your terms and, and the way you want to do it, which is just awesome. And uh, and thank you so much for being on the show today, taking a whole hour out of your day to to share with us and your your knowledge and experience, and and um, and of course the book. So I want to thank you for that. Well, thank you, Alex. It's, it's been a pleasure. It's always great doing business with great people, and and you're great people, and and I just I just hope to anybody that was out there listening, you got something out of it. Absolutely, absolutely. The book is uh, Inner Strength, Inner Peace. You can catch it on Amazon or strengthandpeace.com. Uh, I want to thank everybody for listening in today. Uh, I want to thank Tim for for his time today. For Tim McClellan and Alex Ramirez, have an awesome day. God bless. Get